You're listening to the Play Big Brand Bowl podcast, episode 23. Welcome to the Play Big Brand Bowl podcast. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing to help you get confident, clear, and capable to build your business, brand, and big idea. Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Suzanne Chadwick, your host, and it is once again always awesome to have you here with us. This week, I am speaking with Sarah Cross, business coach to product-based businesses, all about how product-based businesses can scale, how they can continue to grow, how the market is changing when it comes to product-based businesses, and so much more. But before we dive in, I want to just let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Play Big Brand Bold online course, helping you build a brand that you love really step up and take action to play a much bigger game and create a brand experience systems and processes that your customers love and keep coming back for again and again. Our next live round for Play Big Brand Bold starts on the 6th of August, which is not too far away. Our cart is currently open. You can head to playbigbrandbold.com and join today And we'd be working together over the next six to seven weeks, which I think would be pretty awesome. So if you're looking to build your brand and do more in your business, then definitely head over and check it out. But without further ado, let's dive into this week's podcast. Sarah Cross, welcome to the Play Big Brown Bowl podcast. Thank you for having me. So good to have you here. Now, I have spoken about you on my Insta stories before as well. We catch up a bit, have lunch. We are in a similar industry, obviously both business coaches. We are. But we have different audiences. We do. And it's just so nice, I think, just to start with, to have people who are in the same industry as you, Mm. where you can talk about business but also learn from each other because we do have completely different audiences and we do do do. different things. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really good to have someone to soundboard and bounce ideas back and forth, particularly with new marketing platforms and um, ideas um, that are, you know, everything's always changing so much in the online world. So it's really great. I I learn a lot from you. I feel that you are like my, you know, tech savvy, uh, touch, you know, touch point. I can find out, you know, all the latest things, especially like with video, you know, yeah. that's something that you're, you're really good at. Yeah. And I just think, uh, having different people around you who are good at different things, like we can't be perfect at everything exactly. and we can't keep up with everything all the time. So yeah. it is so nice to be able to go, what did you do yeah. about this? Or how did you yeah. build or handle that? Yeah. And I think it's so good to have people around you. And just, you know, recently, I mean, I took a trip to Bali uh, with my children and I happened to meet up with another business coach and just a conversation sitting by the pool, having a cocktail <laughs> has opened up some really fabulous doors to get some, you know, some great mentoring and, and just to find out what avenues she was working on. We shared some really, really great ideas together. And yeah. that was just in a, you you know, a two hour chat, you know, it was a social meetup, but it was, it was really, really insightful. Yeah. And I think just making time as well to find people who you can have those conversations with. Yeah. 
in business generally is just always worthwhile. Yeah, that like-minded community is, you know, powerful as, you know, particularly because it can be a little isolating when you are actually a solopreneur, you yeah. know, when you're working for yourself, um, it's really great to actually connect and be around other people who are like-minded to yourself. Yeah, for sure. Now, for those who obviously listen to the podcast and follow me, I am very much a service-based business, business yes. coach. Uh, I work with a lot of service-based businesses to really help them build their brands and really get clear on their marketing messages, et cetera. And you are the go-to person when somebody comes to me and they are product-based business. And I say, well, I could help you, but you know who could probably be a lot better for you. (laughs) So I do refer a lot of product-based clients to you. Which is wonderful. Yeah, because obviously that's your background. And so today I just thought it would be so great for those in my community who are product-based businesses, because I do have a mix, as to your story, because it's a pretty awesome one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess what you've learned along the way, how you've built your business, and then some tips for them. Yeah, So absolutely. that's what we're really going to cover today, yeah. which I'm really yeah. looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think the product market is changing constantly. Very much, yeah. As very well. Much. There's, there's so many uh, entering into the world of products, so there's particular uh, niches that are, you know, really evolving. And um, I get to work every day with um, amazing, creative, incredibly clever uh, businesswomen who are really, really reaching for the stars and, and just have got just so many wonderful products out there that, um, you know, I'm so excited when I see them stocked in stores and in airports and in, you know, large department stores. It's just, you know, um, an amazing feeling for anyone who started a business from an idea and then they get that validation. Amazing. That would be, especially to see a client. Very exciting. Very exciting. Like land that big deal. The big fish, you know, it's just, you know, so many people who are creative, particularly artists, you know, there's always that sort of saying the starving artist. Mm. So when someone is actually able to um, take a product to market, and that's what I help them to do, and um, secure, um, you know, an account which is going to actually give them fabulous cash flow and set them up for a a really profitable, successful business, that's what I get a buzz out of. That's what I love doing and seeing that success story happen. Amazing. So speaking of success stories, for those in my community who don't know about you or your background, give us a little bit of a taste of how you started and what happened with your business back in the day. So my business was, um, it evolved and started from my kitchen table at 24. I decided that I wanted to have my own business. It was something I'd always dreamt about doing. Um, And back in those days, when I did get started, which was probably 20 years ago, yeah. uh, there wasn't uh, LinkedIn, there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't Instagram. Um, I started the business very organically. I had $2,000 in a computer. I did a lot of networking and a lot of hustling. My business was a, uh, a gift box, gift hamper company. So it was dealing with lots of beautiful foods and, and beautiful um, homewares and, and product. And um, I set my business up 
in the August and by the November I had you know what I thought was pretty good through warm contacts around about you know ten thousand dollars worth of orders for Amazing. that coming Christmas so I was pretty excited and you know I was not at all tech savvy I was like really not really that computer <laughs> savvy at all so I just did a lot of networking and hustling and used my warm contacts which is what a system I still adopt and teach my own clients to do now and it works incredibly well yeah and um, out of my two-bedroom apartment, um, I was sitting on the couch and I took a phone call and I'd been re recommended to a, a large city law firm in Melbourne where I live. And uh, they wanted to place an order for 800 gift-wrapped hampers for their staff for that Christmas. Amazing. And I literally could calculate in my head that was $30,000. Yeah. That, that's like, you know, that's a massive, massive life-changing conversation to have. And of course, all I said was, sure, I can do that. And then I hung up the phone and I thought, oh my goodness, how am I going to do that out of this two bedroom apartment? Yeah. But can and I just say, I love the fact that you just said yes <laughs> and figured it I out later. A, I have a theory now, because I've been in the business world now for 20 years. Sometimes that feeling of where you feel maybe a little bit of that anxious uh, knot in your stomach, you feel a little bit sick, you always say yes. And then you work it out. You just Absolutely. work it out. And that's what I, I learned to do over the 10 year period that I had the business. That was a turning point for me landing something so large like that because what it did was it, it turned me in the direction of going from one to many. So I knew then if I targeted uh, the larger corporations, the bigger companies, the big reward programs, the multinationals, I was going to be able to secure accounts that were in, you know, in multiples, in yeah. large volumes with large budgets. And that was how I was able to scale a business over the 10 years to uh, $1.5 million. Amazing. So let's go back to the story though. So you said yes, and then what happened? <laughs> I know, I think everybody's <laughs> left hanging when I tell that story. So I got on the phone, of course, and put out the SOS to my mum and said, you need to come straight away. We've got a very big order. So mum and I rolled up our sleeves and I worked and worked and worked and it was like Santa's workshop on steroids. There were gift wrapping, there was products. It was like an explosion. They were in cupboards, they were in rooms. And so this is in your two bedroom, two bedroom, bedroom apartment. apartment. And I said to a neighbor, that's their room that you have. Would it be possible for me to pop something in there just for a couple of weeks? I actually only had a very short lead time too. And I also took over a friend's parents' house. They were overseas. So Amazing. we were able to store everything. The job was actually able to all go through and it all went through really smoothly. Amazing. How was, big were the baskets? Um, so we do uh, gift boxes. I never yeah. did baskets okay. because I yeah. wanted to actually have something that was a bit more modern. It yes. was at that time things were changing in yeah. terms of um, uh, the, the gifting world. Yeah. Um, they were quite large. They were sort of probably larger than a shoe box. Okay. Um, plus with the wrapping. And Jeez, it, 800. It was enormous. It was enormous, but it allowed me to tap into something that allowed me to grow a scalable, recurring, uh, a, a very profitable business. Amazing. And so what were some of the lessons that you learned that you then implemented in your business 
after that particular order because I'm assuming that that sort of also catapulted you or gave you more leads or the brand name behind you to then grow into other corporates. So I am obviously very much about scalability yes. and I am very much about recurring cash flow, particularly when you're in the retail world, it's highly seasonal. So there's that feast and famine mm. where people really struggle. And as you know, it's all about cash flow. So what were some of the lessons that you learned? Uh, I think the, the greatest lesson that I learned was the first one was always say yes and work it out later. I wasn't going to give up such a fabulous opportunity to turn something down um, at that point. Uh, the second lesson that I learned was that you can't wear, wear all hats in yeah. your business, that you simply um, do what you do best, which is obviously directing the, the, the business in terms of uh, whether it be project managing or whether it be your sales and marketing direction and outsource the rest, mm. pay to have the support. I learned as I went down and had uh, numerous, very, very big volume, up to 9,000 units for one client, that we would actually outsource that to an assembly packing house. And they were set up with the facilities to do something like that. So um, I was still very profitable, but I didn't actually have to do, be working on the tools basically. Yeah, absolutely. And what about finding those partners? Because I know uh, I've worked with some clients who are fulfillment businesses that's what they do uh, and i do think that i guess that when you are starting your own business or you've got a product-based business trusting somebody else with your products your goods and services the customer experience all that sort of thing mm. can be really challenging it yeah. is like your baby isn't yes. it really yeah very much so how did you go about or what have you experienced when it comes to finding trustworthy partners who really get what it is that you're trying to do um, I'm a really strong believer about supporting local and I'm really a strong believer about word of mouth recommendation. Um, I think that in that sense, um, I've always liked to have referrals. I've always liked to be, you know, to be recommended or I recommend people based on my experience. So I would say that I would actually always make sure that you felt very comfortable if you are going to outsource mm. and, and do a little bit of research, do a little bit of you know, checking and, and making sure that they've got a good history if they're not known to you. Mm. But as a general rule of thumb, I always go with recommendations that are generally tend to be more word of mouth. Yeah, for sure. And so obviously if you've got a really good community of women exactly. who are maybe exactly. product-based businesses Had as well. Had a great well. experience, yeah. yes then they're more than likely to recommend that service or that person if they've had a really good customer service journey, yeah. particularly. Um, there are simply elements that you don't need to wear all your hats in every single side of your business. It's simply what it does is it ultimately restricts you from being able to scale your business because we only have a certain amount of time in the day that we can actually make those things happen. Mm. And, uh, and that's when, you know, when I, I actually help people progress through those stages of being in business a, a number of years and they're ready to go to that next level. Yeah, awesome. And so like we sort of said at the beginning, the product market is really changing. Instagram is now, Ooh. you know, <laughs> like I even more recently, I've seen, you know, the dots on Instagram where basically when I press it, I can see where all of the products and services in the picture come from. I can click on it and I can go purchase. Yes. So the experience uh, and I guess the barriers to buying yes. have really come down. So what are you seeing when it comes to product-based businesses and how the market has changed? 
I think there's, you know, always going to be, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because there are a lot of uh, opportunities to showcase your business on the likes of those platforms such yeah. as uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my preferred platform is uh, LinkedIn mm -hmm. because LinkedIn has opened up so many big doors for my clients and myself in my own personal experience to work on a much bigger scale. Mm. So to sell more products into, big, uh, into bigger stores and into bigger airport stores. Amazing. Mm. Okay. Uh, and so are you sort of working with clients across the different platforms as well, though? Yes, yeah, yeah. of course. So I, I believe that you need to have a presence among the, amongst them. Um, I do have a number of uh, my product-based clients that have a, a, a nice community of brand reps mm. and the brand reps are out there in the field um, contributing a lot to uh, brand awareness and that really boosts their following um, and they also work with a number of influencers as well. So with influencers that's where um, that can generate, you know, I have one client that got 300 new followers overnight. Um, I have another client who's teamed up with an, her ideal uh, an ideal product match in a sense um, to the demographic, the audience that she mm -hmm. is wanting to have. So there's not, they're not competing. They've actually got complementary audiences and she's offered a, um, a, a nice special to the members and the followers of that influencer and it's in a children's, children's okay. homeware. And um, the influencer's child is at that perfect age where all her followers are you know, will we'll buy, they trust from her. It's like a great referral source. So uh, for a small investment, she's done incredibly well in her product sales, working yeah. with a key influencer, a major, major influencer. Amazing. Mm. And so for anybody that's listening that is thinking of starting up a product-based business or who may have just started and they're sort of at those beginning stages and beginning stages can be a year or two yeah. in. I mean, you know, yeah. this is a long-term journey. It's yes. not, like yes. they say, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what are a couple of key tips that you would give to somebody who's starting out? What are some of the things they need to think about? What are some of the things they need to really be aware of uh, to really get their business moving? Mm. So I, I'm very big on your target market. Mm -hmm. um, I think for anybody that I find that I have conversations with who possibly aren't getting the sales that they need, I generally find that it's because they actually aren't putting their product in front of the right client, okay. the right target. So targeting is something that I think um, a lot of new business owners do have challenges with. Um, I would say that um, researching and surveying and looking at what's already there, um, it can be sometimes down to the point that uh, it's about a, a demand. You know, there has to be a demand for the product um, and then there has to be a, an ideal product market match for the target audience that you're wanting to go with. Once you get those things right, um, like I mentioned about the influencer and my client working in a children's, a children's product, uh, then you've got a match made in heaven. Mm. You've got your ideal uh, customers um, seeing and being matched right in front of your product. So it's all about getting your product in front of the right people yeah. um, for, for you to be able to get those sales and to rapidly grow those sales that you need in your business. Um, I think also having your unique point of difference that's a really another really important factor a lot of people miss yeah. in addition to the targeting. And that's where their sales, sales get very stagnant and they can't actually grow to the next level. So points of difference can be just simply, uh, like you mentioned about the customer journey, 
Um, it's not based on price. I find a lot of people think it's just been that people make choices based on price right. and it's not about that at all. Um, so having your really clear, unique points of difference and having that come across in your branding and in your, in your marketing, which is your specialty, of yeah. course, um, and getting that message across to make you really stand out as a really unique business, particularly in a very crowded yeah. product market. There are a lot of companies that, for instance, sell candles. So being able to have a really unique um, selling point of difference and also being able to have the right packaging mm. and the right price points and the right targeting, it all kind of meshes together. Yeah. And when you get those things right, that's when you have a, an incredibly successful business. Yeah, and I do think going back to price, I do think that we are in a time now where it's really easy to get majority of products at a very cheap price. Mm. So people are not looking, if they want cheap, they can go to Kmart or they exactly. can go online exactly. and get it exactly. from China or whatever. Yeah. So I do think that that brand positioning and really, like you said, having mm. a unique point of difference, yeah. but also having really good quality. I think we are yeah. after better quality these days. I believe so. And I'm really, really passionate about Australian designers and Australian artists being able to uh, get their product out into the world. I work closely with uh, the retail travel stores um, in throughout Australia. So products that do have an Australiana edge are the ones that are going to be ideal, an ideal product market match, for instance, for the retail travel stores, where people are going through and picking up souvenirs and gifts mm. to take home to their family. So. <clears throat> and there also are a lot of opportunities to collaborate with other artists with your product. So again, a unique point of difference could be a recent client of mine has designed some beautiful, in collaboration with an Indigenous artist, mm -hmm. um, some beautiful um, uh, candles that will make beautiful travel tins okay. um, and keepsakes that will come through. And they've also got something that is a souvenir from Australia. Um, so there's lots and lots of different ways that you can position yourself so that you are different from your competitors and it's not based on price. Yeah. And I think it's also looking at those opportunities like where is there a gap in the market? What is, you know, big or hot right yeah. now? Like yeah. where are the channels that I could be and how can I maybe tweak what I've got yes. to fit that so yes. that I'm giving myself a whole new market exactly. to go into? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, looking at re different revenue streams, there are always going to be obviously opportunities now to sell online, which is mm -hmm. what uh, everyone's competing and doing. But it's about standing out and perhaps also being able to offer something, which I work with, to people who wholesale their product um, into, into bigger stores. So there's different ways that you can have different revenue streams in your business, depending on which avenue you want. And creating those and having them all working really well, um, again, will, will get you to where you really want to go with your business. And I think that's a really great tip too, is that I think that sometimes when somebody's starting a business, they're kind of like, I've got a product and I've got maybe one client, like one group of clients that could buy it. Yes. And maybe it's really diversifying your oh, thinking yeah. as to... Yeah. It's a bit like the, my starting story of when I had the corporate, when I had the gift tamper business, I originally thought that I would be just selling them to, you know, um, small business and maybe friends and family and, and someone who's had a baby. But that opportunity that came through that Christmas within four months of me starting my business where I was completely naive, you know, I had just entered the business world <clears throat> and I didn't know, um, you know, that that was going to come through, but that opportunity that, that moment steered my business in a completely different 
um, way that mm. I that really did set me up for ongoing success and and really big sales. Yeah. Fantastic. And so what are other tips for a new business that's starting out? Um, I think that, you know, you need to always have that really strong self-belief in yourself as anyone who's gone into business, um, particularly if you're creating the product yourself, it mm -hmm. actually is, has a very strong emotional, personal connection. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, having that self-belief, surrounding yourself amongst people who are like-minded, who are going to actually help you on that journey, collaboration mm. and using referrals. They're all part of, of the success that you build. But having, having the self-belief is, is something that, you know, and that mindset that you will never give up is what is going to carry you through, through those early parts of, of if you're starting your, your own product-based business in order for you to be able to go through that journey. Because as you, you know, we both yeah. know as business owners, there's, there's plenty of ups and downs. It can be a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. And I, yeah. And so do you think that that testing phase, that research phase, you know, I think that obviously you do have to have self-belief, but do you think that just really knowing that what you've got is going to... I guess have an audience and you've got something that you really believe in because I think that's something like even when I talk about it with Play Big Brand Bold I'm really you know you've got something that you believe in this yes. is something that you You're know can help somebody so now go out there and really you know sell it and when I say sell it I don't mean be salesy mm. But be passionate about it and be confident in what yes. you're putting out there. But I think in that process, knowing that what you have is great mm. gives yeah, you that confidence. And having yeah. that passion. And I think if you are passionate, that drives your commitment mm. and it, it basically keeps you on the right track in terms of those, you know, enduring those times where it might be hard in terms of your cash flow, your sales might not be going so great, you might be sort of getting a lot of no's. Um, but it's about persistence. Yeah. I, I just believe in persistence and passion. Those two things is really the, the, I think, the magical ingredients. And yeah, obviously having something that you believe in, that yeah. you're passionate about, and it's the best validation when you do start to secure some really good size orders with your products because it's it's validation that people um, will love it, will pay for it, and they'll reorder and um, they'll become your best clients. Absolutely. And going back to that patience, I do think that because we are in, you know, I kind of feel like it's fast food entrepreneurship a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yes. You know, where it's kind of people start businesses and in the next three weeks, they're wondering why they haven't made a million dollars. I have many people that build a website and then hope that people will just come and they will just buy. Yeah. And um, I usually ask them the questions of, you know, what sort of marketing they've been doing, yeah. how have they been actually, you know, what sort of budget do they have for their marketing? Yes. And normally the response is met with silence. Yes. Because they actually think that, you know, you build it and they'll come yes. and it doesn't happen. And that can be really deterring. And that's why I'm saying surround yourself amongst people who are either further along the path than you or work with a coach, yes. which is what we both do, to get that expert guidance and to keep you on track, but to accelerate all those hard parts um, that you don't have to go through because we've obviously already done them ourselves. We've, yeah. we've walked the talk. So um, I think that, you know, it is really important to have that um, community, that tribe around you where you've got that, that support and that guidance. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that 
you just got to know that it just takes time, but you've got yes. to try those different avenues and you've got to have the resilience yes. to keep going back and to yeah. keep pushing on and to keep looking for another way or another angle or opportunity. Yes. Yes. I am such a massive believer that you create your own opportunities. Yes. Like you were saying, if you build a website and you sit there and you wait, nothing's ever going to happen. But if you get out there and you meet people and you connect and you, whether it's online or offline and start to build that mm. sort of rapport and yeah. community, yeah. then you'll start to see finding, change. finding out where your ideal customers hang out and actually being, uh, you know, in, involved, providing value, yes. giving great customer service. Um, it's not just based on price. It's not just beating your competitors. Um, I think it has to be a bit of a holistic um, package in terms of what you do um, in order to really sort of get that following and get the, get the growth happening. Absolutely. And I guess the last question I've got is that for people who have maybe been in business for a little while, but are finding that scalability a challenge what are some of the things that you could sort of share with them that might help because I sort of feel sometimes and I see a lot of really successful women on Instagram who have got 500 orders ready to go to the post office sitting in their home uh, and they're obviously doing really well but maybe it's taking that step to outsource or scale mm. that they're really struggling with? How, mm. how can they kind of make that move? Well, they can come and work with me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So they can, uh, they can book in a, a free consultation and have a chat with me about, you know, what sort of strategy that they need um, help with sure. to move them into the next stage. And it can simply be about opening up new revenue streams in their business for scalability. Um, it can simply be looking at what they're tar who they've been targeting and perhaps they've been thinking a little bit too small. So three key things that I would say to someone who has established their product business, they're getting uh, acquiring some sales, but they just aren't actually seeing the growth and the scalability yeah. in their business. And they're possibly looking at you know moving their business from it might have been a home-based setup. So they might have actually been at that point, I, I do work with a number of people that their garage is full of product. They, you know, it's a bit like my early days, you know, where it looks like an explosion. Yeah. There's product all over the house. It's taking over all their space. Yeah. So they're actually getting to a point where they really need to look at outsourcing. They need to look at moving their business and playing a bit bigger into a commercial setup. Um, and they might need to look at a lot of outsourcing in order of, because they can't wear all those hats. Yeah. They can't possibly grow their business if they're trying to do everything in it. And that is sometimes, it does take trust to be able to let go yeah. of certain elements. And I think I, I'm a, a massive uh, fan of outsourcing because I like to outsource all the things that I don't like doing. Yeah. <laughs> in the business. I actually figured that there's, it would take me, you know, a few days to get my head, wrap my head around some tech um, procedures that I might need to do. And I could just pay someone $50 to do it for me. Yes. So therefore I could do something that's more income generating or strategic in my own business yeah. of what I enjoy doing. So in some ways, outsourcing is actually fun. Um, so taking on board outsourcing and then uh, tapping into more revenue streams. So collaborating more, getting online with your socials where you can actually partner up with either brand reps and um, just getting more brand awareness 
working with influencers that I mentioned earlier. That would be another, that would be my second tip. Um, and my third tip for someone who's really sort of at a point where they're ready to go that bit further um, would be to seek out uh, an expert in the industry to get that um, solid strategic plan in place. Yeah. It's a roadmap, it's an investment, not a cost. Yeah. And I have a number of clients who have now just hit their million dollar mark you know, Amazing. In, in less than 18 months. We've coached together for a year. Their sales were stagnant. Yeah. Uh, we tapped into, we, we created that strategic plan. Um, they're now, you know, at that point now where they've outsourced so many things yeah. that they're loving. You know, once you get a taste for it, it's something that you just keep on doing and that's allowed them to keep scaling their business. Um, so seek out an expert if you're wanting to get someone to soundboard ideas yeah. and you ideally want to know, have a blueprint to a success blueprint in place so you've got a roadmap to follow. Absolutely. I was actually away with some girlfriends last weekend and we were talking about the fact that if we want to get fit and healthy, we hire a personal trainer. If we want, you know, a better meals, we, yeah. But the thing is, is that there's so many areas in our lives where we will hire somebody mm. to take the pain away, sort a problem, yeah. support us to reach our goals. Yes. And business is no different. So I do think that, you know, I have a VA who does things that I don't want to do exactly. and who, who does it better than I do. And, all the time. Yeah, and I've had coaches before as well where I've wanted to focus on certain things. So I do think that if you don't know how to build a strategy for your business mm -hmm. and how to really create that plan and that map yes. of, you know, I'm here. And I think so many times we're working in our business and we feel so stuck and so overwhelmed with everything that we have to do mm -hmm. that actually really looking at what that, you know, projection is and the yeah. vision is hard and i agree with you because during the journey that i had in my first business over that 10-year period i always employed and engaged with business coaches yeah because i was a young girl entering into a an unknown business world approaching very very big corporations um, i needed someone to soundboard off and i wasn't going to just rely on my my spouse or my friends or family that were going to tell me the things, the nice things that I needed to yeah. know. Plus, they didn't have the expertise either behind them. So the coach would commonly raise questions or suggestions to me that I had never thought yes. of. And I'd think, why didn't I think of that? And it was simply because I was just too emotionally close to the business that I couldn't actually see the forest through the trees. Like yeah. I couldn't actually see what what opportunities were out there. So sometimes engaging with an expert, a coach, a mentor, it's about seeing those bigger opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Sue. And where can people find you? We'll have the links in the show notes as well, but where can they find you? So they can go to www.sarahjcross.com and uh, I've got lots of information there in terms of reaching out and having a, a, a 30 minute free consultation with me to find out where they're at in their business and where, they, where their, their big, bigger goals are. Um, and uh, they can journey over there. Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. I love chatting to Sarah. I'm not sure if you could tell, but we uh, do chat quite easily. And so I hope that if you're a product-based business or really if you're any business, that you got a whole lot of great stuff out of that chat. So once again, if you are looking to play a bigger game in your business and really take your business to the next level and love everything that you're putting out and get more confident, 
with your business, then check out Play Big Brand Bold. It is open this week, which is obviously the week that this episode is going live. And I would love to work with you over the coming weeks to help you get more confident with your business. Now, if you want to connect even more, then you can follow me on Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, and Twitter at Suze Chadwick. That's S-U-Z-C-H-A-D-W-I-C-K. And on Facebook at Suzanne Chadwick TCX. That will also become Suze Chadwick as soon as Facebook lets me change it. (laughs) But next week, I'm going to be sharing with you why the name of this podcast has changed to Brand Builders Lab. And also, I'm going to be sharing with you what to do when you make a decision to move from your business name to your personal brand and really start building that and making some serious changes. So until next week's episode, have an awesome week and I'll see you soon.